A wise man builds his life on Jesus' instructions, like a house built on a solid foundation. By tuning in today, you are pouring into your life. This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. One of our favorite movies growing up was Mary Poppins. Classic Mary Poppins. Uh, Dick Van Dyke jumping through paintings. That's just a whole lot of fun. Uh, the story of this father who's kind of misprioritized what's important and feels he's got to get his kids to the bank and learn how to invest in the bank and build the bank and works for the bank. Mr. Banks. And at the end, because of a flying nanny and a spoonful of sugar, helps transform the priorities of this family. So at the end, they're up on the hillside all flying kites. And they're singing, let's go fly kites. It's a beautiful, important moment. Father learned to get his kids to the right place to do the right thing. And even growing up, uh, my dad would take us to fly kites. Uh, in fact, Sloan, I think we've got a picture uh, back in the day, and I'll get out of the way so y'all can see the handsomeness uh, that that was my family growing up. I'm the good-looking one in the middle. My dad, grandparents, and this is at Woodcock Dam back in, in Pennsylvania where we grew up. It's a great place for flying kites because the water kind of uh, creates this place where the wind can ramp up this hill and it grabs the kite and up it goes. There's great places for flying kites and there's bad places for flying kites. This was a great place to fly kites. If you want to get your kite up in the air, this was the place to go. Now, there's bad places to get a kite up in the air, right? In your house, you can't get a kite up in the air. Going to the woods, you can't get your kite up in the air. This was a good place. My dad knew where to get the family so that we could get that kite up in the air. Do you know what it takes to position your family and your kids so that you can help them soar? That's the question that we're really asking ourselves over these last couple weeks. Do you know what it takes? Do you know where to get them and where to position yourself so as a family... The Holy Spirit can catch those kids and they can fly. Last week, we began this parenting series just called Raising Up, taking a look at parenting. And prayerfully, it isn't just for people who have young kids, but also those who have older kids and those who want to take seriously the responsibility of helping other people soar. So if you didn't have a chance to be with us last week, a simple point of review. We said this last week, and I think I even put this in your notes as something just to remind ourselves, that brighter futures require living and telling better stories. If you guys remember that, write that down if you, had, if you weren't able to be with us. Brighter futures require living and telling better stories. We are hardwired for story. We want stories. We want to hear stories. We want to participate in stories. And our kids want better stories. They are in the hunt to find a better story. And so if a brighter future is what we want for generations to come, it's learning to live and tell a better story. And we kind of anchored ourselves in Psalm 78 last week, where we learned that God rescues, God provides, God instructs, and God loves us no matter what. 
Again, if you weren't have a chance to be with us, you can go listen to those uh, at the website. And so we asked ourselves, what stories are we telling? What stories are we living? If our kids look at us, what is the story that they see us buying into? Do we say, do we tell the story of Jesus, but do we live the story of another gospel entirely? Do we say that it's all about following him, but they see other priorities played out in our lives? And so it can kind of create a a contention with their own spirit. And I challenged you to start mining your life for God moments and leveraging those stories to interject in the life of your kids. So this week, let's just get real practical. How do we do that? How do we live a life and tell a life of the better story of Jesus? It says in Psalm 78 verse 4 that we are not going to hide the story from our kids. We will not hide from the children, but tell the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord. So let's not hide this. There's certain things you might hide from your kids. Your concerns, your worries, your fears, your doubts. Is your faith one of the things that you hide from your kids? Or is it obvious? Is it clear to your children and your grandchildren and the generations to come that you have fully bought into what it means to follow King Jesus? Is it obvious? Almost maybe too much so. Because man, you know, if we hang out with mom and dad, they're just gonna start talking about all the great things that God has done. Oh man, there they go again, talking about how awesome Jesus is. Oh man, there they go, off to church. Oh man, there he is, reading his Bible. Oh man, there she is, she's praying. It's on their coffee cups, it's on their shirts, it's on their bumper stickers, it's on their phone. Is it apparent to the generations that are coming that, yep, we have fully bought in? We're not gonna hide it. Well, let's, let's see how we can do that. To help us today, last week we kind of anchored in in Psalm 78. Today we're going to anchor in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, find Deuteronomy. It's towards the front of your Bibles. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's number 5 and what we call the Pentateuch. Okay, easy to find. Pretty big book. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Sloan's going to have the verses up on the screen for us. And let me give you just some historical context on what's going on in the book of Deuteronomy. This was a series of sermons that Moses gave to Israel before they moved into the promised land, okay? So Israel has come out of slavery. They've come out of bondage. They've come out of Egypt. They've gone through the Red Sea. They are between the desert and God's promise. And maybe your family feels like that. Got a whole lot of desert. Got a whole lot of chains. Got a whole lot of bondage really want to get into the promised land, really want to get my family into that place of experiencing God's promise. That's where I want to get to. I know Egypt. I live Egypt. I live chains. I live bondage. I feel like culture's telling me to do this, and the government's telling me to do this, and my mother's telling me to do this, and my mother-in-law's telling me to do this. Really want to get to the place where I'm walking in God's promise. How do we do that? Okay, Moses gives Israel a series of sermons, a message series, if you will, on how to get from desert into the promised land and how to live in that place of promise, okay? Let me start for you. This is just Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 3. 1 through 3. Now, this is the commandment. 
the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son by keeping all of his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, be careful to do them that you may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Right, so God's giving us instructions. God's given them to us. He's giving us instructions that we are to do so that we know how to walk with God by following his instructions that our life will be long, blessed, and increased. Okay? In essence, that's what Moses is saying. Hey, you're getting ready to go into the promised land. You don't want to be in Egypt anymore. You're going to go into the promised land. God's giving us instructions. God's giving us instructions that we should do. Okay, parents, do you feel that way some way with your kids? Okay, cleaning your room wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't an idea. I said, go clean your room. Like, for real? Like, is it just like, no, no. I Actually, go do it. Clean your room. I'm giving you instructions that you should do so that we can walk in relationship together and that your life will be long and blessed and prosperous. Okay? That's what's, that's what's about to happen. He's about to give them these instructions. But he says, there's a warning. There's something that you need to understand. Okay? This can go off the rails very easily. And so he gives them a warning. He says, this is verse 10 through 15. So just jump down a little bit in chapter 6. He says, there's something that I'm worried about. There's something that both God and I have talked about this and we're really concerned, actually. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 15. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you didn't build, houses full of all good things that you did not fill, cisterns that you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It's the Lord, your God, you shall fear. Him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Ever feel that way when you're talking to your kids sometimes? I will destroy you from the face of the earth. You ever feel that way? God's like, hey, we're gonna move into a place of promise. Moses is like, we're going into a place of promise. This is a beautiful land. There's houses that you did not build. There are fields that you did not plant. It is a beautiful place of blessing. Don't forget the grace of God that got you out of Egypt into the land. So there's, there's, there's really one coin that has two sides. It's like, don't forget God. Don't chase after other gods. 
God's a little concerned. I'm a little concerned, says Moses. Say, we're gonna go into this place of blessing where you have all of God's gifts and you're gonna forget that God's the one who did it and you're gonna chase after other gospels. We said that last week, I don't know if you remember. The temptation that Paul had when he was working with his churches in the New Testament. Why are you chasing after other gospels? Why are you chasing after other gods thinking that they're going to deliver you when it's Jesus who's delivered you? Our challenge for the next generation and the generation to come is that we don't live lives that forget the gospel. We don't start chasing after other gospels. Psalm 78 that we looked at last week comes a couple hundred years after what Moses said here. And they did exactly what they were warned not to do. In fact, let me read just a couple verses for you. In Psalm 78, 40 to 42, it says this. Just listen. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness, grieved him in the desert. They tested God and again provoked the Holy One. They did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from the foe. Let's not get drawn into thinking that because we've become so technologically advanced that we're better than previous generations. Like, we've really got our stuff together. Like, we don't, we don't succumb to the temptations of, of other people. And we are moving forward. We are progressing. Humanity is progressing. We don't have those problems. Well, what Moses is saying is that don't make the same mistakes that your parents made and that your parents made and that your parents made. And the poet said, oh, guess what they did? They made the exact same mistakes that their parents made, that their parents made, that their parents made. They forgot God and they chased after other gospels. Oh, but... Look at the things that we can create. We have phones and we can fly now and we can go to the moon. The heart does not advance. In fact, the heart actually devolves. If you fly at 30,000 feet and watch culture, culture does not improve, right? Culture has a habit of going the other way. Whether you're talking about Greece or you're talking about Rome are you talking about the British Empire? Are you talking about the American Empire? John Adams' greatest fear was, hey, the Constitution only works if you have a moral people. He said that. He's like, the Constitution of the United States only works if people have a shared common morality. If you lose that, the Constitution's gonna fall apart. Okay? So we can receive this warning with the same intention that it's given, okay? Let's see, how can we get our kids off the ground? How can we get our grandkids off the ground? How can we help them soar? Real practical, real practical, okay? A couple things that I wanna share with you this morning. The first one is this, learn how to take time. Take it. You can't make time. Write that down in your notes. Take time. You don't make time for things. You can't make time. Don't you wish you could? Don't you wish you could bake it? Oh, I just want some more time. I'm going to make some. I'm going to make, like, I'm going to make cookies. Like, I'm going to make dinner. Like, I'm going to make nachos. I, just, I need some more time, so I'm going to make some. You can't make time. We have to learn how to take time. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9, listen to the beginning of one of Moses' messages. Listen to what he says. 
Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. This is all about rhythm and intention. Hear, O Israel. Shema Israel. That's what he's saying. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. How many of you heard that before? That's like, yeah, that sounds real familiar. I've heard that before. Yeah, it's, it's actually a pretty big deal. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He says, you need to take time to make your story rotate around God's story. Take time, not make time. He says, you're gonna bind them. He says, do you tie them to your wrists? Tie them to the front of your heads? Nail them to the side of your, how many of you guys put things up in your house that are important to you? Some of you do. I've been to your houses. I know exactly what's important to you. Don't lie to me. It's okay. He says, take pieces of God's law and you nail it on the doorpost so that when you go in and out of the house, you know what's important. Tie them to your forehead if you have to. Tie them on your wrists if you have to. You make an intentional effort to make God's promises a part of your priority, but you have to take the time. A man named Howard Hendricks, who literally wrote the book on Christian education, said this. He says, if parents are looking for a convenient time to schedule family worship, they may as well forget about the idea. Christianity is not a matter of convenience. It involves cost. So if you're saying, you know what? We need to make following Jesus more important. Let's see if we can find a time to fit it in our schedule. He says, you know, you can't do it. Following Jesus is not a matter of convenience. You're not going to find a convenient time to fit it in. There's a cost that's involved in following Jesus, isn't there? But we will wear busyness as a badge of honor. There's a cost, which means there's an exchange for. If I'm going to follow Jesus, then I'm not going to follow that. If I'm going to follow that better gospel, I'm not going to follow that gospel. Parents, I think the key is, grandparents, I think the key is, it's learning to see that investment in my faith and the faith of my kids and the faith of my grandkids far outpaces anything else. That the exchange rate is actually amazing. Let me make a little plug for a, a, a seminar that we're going to do the end of February, Oikonomics, where we're going to learn to take, and I really encourage you to sign up. Take, you know, there's five capitals that, that God gives you to learn how to invest. Uh, there is financial capital, but there's also uh, things like time. There's things like relationships, things like ideas, education. There's also spiritual capital. That I can learn to take the lesser ones to build bigger ones and higher ones. Parents, grandparents, it's the same deal. I have to learn to count the cost to weigh this is more important than that. So I'm going to say no to that and count the cost and we're going to pursue this. I'm going to take time. He says in verse 6, that first must be on your heart. Parents, you cannot give to your kids that which you do not have. Okay? I wish it were true. God, I mean, I don't have a vibrant faith, but I really hope my kids will. 
Ugh, you're really rolling the dice. It must first be in your heart. The story and the better news must first be pressed into your soul. So what's the rhythm? What's daily, okay? Daily, he says, hey, when you sit and when you walk and when you lie down and when you rise up, what is the daily practice of walking in God's story? Meal time. If you got younger kids, that's a great time. Let's sit around the table. We don't sit around the table. Okay, start sitting around the table. Let's sit around the table. Let's talk. I'm gonna share my story. Tell me your story. Travel time. You're transporting kids to practices. You're transporting your kids to dance. You're transporting your kids someplace because you are professional chauffeurs, right? That's what you do. You didn't know that when you had kids, but you also got a license to be their professional chauffeur. Sometimes it feels that way, doesn't it? Then learn how to leverage that time. Ask open-ended questions. Questions that, that means they can't get away with yes or no. Okay? Teenage boys are really good at answering any kind of question with a yes or a no. Okay? But yeah, learn how to leverage travel time. We're going to the school, it takes 10 minutes. Awesome, let's just check in real quick. You share something. Ask them something. We're going to dance, we're going to the store, whatever it is. But maximize it, not, not, not letting them get away with, you know what this is the universal symbol for, right? What is this? This is the universal symbol for phone. Don't let them get away with this. And the buds. The new buds that you can't see the wires, like you know, they could cheat and hide one in the other ear if you can't see. No, hey, hey, put that down. I want to hear from you. I, 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 want, to, I want to learn from your story. Bedtime says, when you lie down, let's talk about it. when you lie down. This is great, especially if you have younger kids, start the rhythm now. Okay, this was really important for us in our rhythm when our kids were very small. Before we go to bed, dad prays. Dad prays over them. So now, if you even ask, ask Jack, are you going to pray over us? We can't go into nighttime until dad prays. It's a part of the psychology. It's a part of the rhythm. Not, not devices. Can't do devices and then go to bed. I had a recent exchange with a child that maybe lives in my house, probably does, and I've actually given him the device, so really I'm the monster to blame. Like, dad, this is your fault that I have this issue. Um, he's like, dad, I can't fall asleep. Like, I walked in and he's like doing this with the screen. It's like, blah, blah, blah. the lights are on. He's got earbuds in his ears. Yeah, dad, I can't sleep. Like, really? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm having a hard time falling asleep. No. The light's on? Yeah. Are you looking at a attention-grabbing, life-sucking, IQ-killing device? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. Do you have things embedded in your ears that are pumping sound into your brain? Yeah, I do. And you can't fall asleep? No. Huh. So, yeah, let's set the devices down. Even parents, if you haven't done this yet, like, Pick a kill time. Like you can be on a device till like say 7.30 or eight o'clock. After that, I will kill the Wi-Fi. I will bury the phone. I will box up the phone and you can get it later. For the sake of their mind and your peace of mind, help them land the plane mentally and create a rhythm. Create a rhythm. It's your house. They are not the CEOs of your life. Really? Meal time, travel time, bedtime, waking time. 
Mornings are real difficult in our family rhythm. It's just the way it is. You know, <laughs> Corey's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, every, and every family's different. Every rhythm's been in our household. It just, okay, uh, we got two kids that are getting on the bus at 645. We got a wife that's going to work out the door at 650. We got another kid that gets on the bus after that. We got another, so yeah, morning, hey, let's have morning devotions. No, it's just not working. But I have done this. Hey, before you guys go out the door, let's practice the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray that. And we'll hold hands. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Because I'm sending my kids out into a war zone. Did you know that? I'm sending my kids out into a war zone. And so they want to be and they need to be covered in the promise that God is going to guide me through all of my trials. And God is the one who rescues me from all evil. Okay? Daily practice, parents, grandparents, daily finding a rhythm. This prayer, uh, hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Jesus said it. You know why Jesus said it? Because good Jews say that three times a day. They say it when they get up. They say it midday. They say it at the end of the day. A daily practice and a rhythm of getting into the story. Okay. Weekly, weekly. Is there a rhythm where you guys have weekly practices, family night, grandkids night, movie night, finding movies that are good to watch? There are some that are out there. There are some movies that are bad to watch. Okay. Okay. Uh, so will you put this up? Here's a great website, commonsensemedia.org, okay? Okay, it gives you ratings on what's in movies. All right, is there sexual content? Is there language? Is there profanity? Is there drugs? Is there, so that before you watch the movie, you're not surprised. Hey, this is a bad movie. Hey, this movie is okay, probably with themes as far as teenagers are go, or younger. This uh, one that's right up there, Finding Oana, we watched that one yesterday. It was okay, not too bad, right? Don't you think? So it was like the new version of Goonies. How many of you remember the movie Goonies back in the 80s? Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, right. Chris watches it all the time. Like, who doesn't want to live Goonies? Because my wife hates that movie. It's a great story. It's a great story. No language, no themes. It's appropriate. Find stories that coincide. Find okay stories. Watch them together. I'm, I'm proud to say that if we're watching a movie, a boy and a girl start kissing a little bit, and my kids are like, like, that's right. And we grab them, we fast forward through that because we don't need that in our heads. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we watched uh, the movie Ray that Jamie Foxx did about uh, Ray Charles. And we fast forward that, but I will say this, I will say this. There were moments in that, in that movie accurately portraying some of the choices that Ray Charles made and. My boys had some issues with that. They're like, hey, that, he made a bad choice. Like, yeah, he made a bad choice. And then when we were listening to Ray Charles' music on Alexa, because that's you know, the music that we listen to, because we listen to good music in my house, and he was like, I don't know if I can listen to this music now knowing some of the bad choices that he made. I'm like, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. But did you have a movie night? Story night? Restaurant night? Weekly? Let's go to worship together. 
and then talk about what you've learned. If you've got younger kids, hey, we're going to sit around. If your kids, I want you to come up to me. If you have younger kids, okay, and you sit down and say, hey, what was the big idea from the blasting zone? And they go, like, ah, I don't know. You call me and you let me know, okay? You call and let me know because we want, we want to be pressing that story into the life of your kids. If you have grandkids that come here, hey, what was the big idea in the blasting zone? What did you talk about? I, I don't know. Same thing with lab. Hey, what did you guys talk about? Hey, this is what Pastor Paul taught us in church. What, what did you guys learn? Taking that story and moving into it. Um, game night, weekly worship, life group. Participating in life groups together. Fellowshipping together. Yeah, so is there a weekly rhythm? Monthly, serve together. Hey, you come up to me and you make my heart go a little crazy and say, you know what, we want to serve together as a family. Pastor Paul, what can we do at the church to be helpful? And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Stand at the door as a family and welcome people as they come in. Hand out notes together as a family. Say, you know what, Pastor Paul, is it okay? I've got a bunch of teenagers. Is it okay if we come in before anybody else does to make sure that the snow is shoveled and to salt things and we'll get lights turned on? Can we do that together as a family once a month? Yes. Yes, you can. You can do that. Serving together. Families that serve together stay together. Go to a food kitchen together. Go to Dayton and serve together. Put that in the rhythm once a month. Do a guy's night. Do a girl's night. One of the things that Elise was doing for a while, just because of rhythms and seasons of life. You know, once a month, she'd take a different kid out. Just her. One-on-one -on -one time. Mom and son. How are you? What's going on? And now... You know, testimony to my wife. She has a great communication rhythm with the boys. Like, they'll tell her things that they won't tell me. Probably because dad gets a little preachy and pulls the Bible out. It's like, well, all right, let's talk about that. <laughs> all right, let's talk about that. No, mom has a rhythm. There's a rapport there that she has invested in. And so, yeah, they'll tell her things, which is fine because then she'll tell me things. I'm like, <laughs> suckers, I still know. But that's okay. But that's a part of being intentional and building rhythm. So what that was going to mean is that probably at some point you're going to need to sit down now with a calendar and do a little bit of a time audit. Okay? Look at your day. Where are you pouring faith into your kids, your grandkids? Where are you pouring into yourself? Look at the week. Okay, here's time in the week where we are intentionally doing this and this and this and this. Okay? In the month, this is where we're intentionally doing this and this and this and this. Do a full... Hour by hour, time audit for a week and for a month. Then you know exactly where you're investing, right? Exactly where you're investing. Talk about it, husband, wife. Our natural tendency is to forget the story and to chase other gospels. Second thing, second thing, okay? Second thing, write this down. So we're going to take time, and then the second truth is uh, what we call meatball moments, or we're going to call meatball moments. Write those down. Meatball moments. M-M. Meatballs, mashed potatoes, I adore. Melons and molasses. More, more, more. Gotta love first grade mnemonics. That's good stuff. What's a meatball moment? I played volleyball in high school, junior high in high school. Uh, a meatball in volleyball is where the other team overplays the ball close to the net and you basically salivating all over yourself, fly through the air and stuff it back down in their face. We call those meatballs. They serve it up, you put it down. Or we call them, sometimes you call them softballs. Man, that thing was so easy. I'm talking about soft 
slow pitch softball. I know what it's like fast pitch. I'm talking about, dude, that's like, oh yeah, let me just knock that sucker out of the park. There are moments in your rhythm where God brings you stuff. He serves it up. All you got to do is put it down. And look at that in this passage. Let me show you. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 20 through 25. Deuteronomy 6, 20 through 25. When your son asks you, some of you like, your son don't ask you anything. Listen, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. He brought us out from there that he might bring us and give us the land that he swore to our fathers. Verse 24, and the Lord commanded us to do these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all of his commandments before the Lord our God as he's commanded you. And so there's a generational gap here in the story, okay? So there are generations that came out of Egypt, went through the Red Sea, came into the promised land. So, you know, eventually there's gonna be a generation who didn't see Pharaoh, who didn't go through the change, who didn't go through the water. And they're like, dude, why are we following these rules? Like, why do we go to church on Sunday? Like, why do we do that and we don't do that? That doesn't make any sense. Okay, here, it's a great question. Let me tell you the story. Let me show you the scars. This is why we do what we do. There are meatball moments with your kids, with your grandkids, where their life collides with them personally and they got questions. Learn to recognize those moments. Your son is going to come to you and say, hey, what's up with this? And this is God saying, here. There are moments in our faith where we are dragging them here and dragging them there. And it is an effort, but there are moments, spontaneous moments, where God says, here. And all you got to do is learn to be aware and available. Recognize there's something going on in the life of my daughter right now that has led her to a place where she's jacked up about something. She could be acting out this way and this way and this way and this way, but there is something that's going on. My son comes to me and says, hey, what's up with this? Well, let's talk about it. It always comes back to the story. It always comes back to Jesus. It always comes back to the better gospel. Because you see what he said there. Hey, your sons are going to ask you, why this? He said, well, let me tell you the story of our deliverance. That is why we do what we do and how we do it. God has provided. God has delivered. I have to be available. I have to be aware. These are so powerful because our kids and our grandkids are feeling something in their heart and in their spirit. And they are initiating communication. We have to set this down, okay? Or learn to not be on it as much anyways. To be emotionally present, to be mentally aware, 
and to deal with whatever God's throwing our way. You need to realize it's an opportunity to connect them back to the gospel of Jesus. Jesus was a master at this. Like, if you look through some of the gospel narratives in the stories, Luke 21, he and the boys are all hanging out, and the girls, there were girls there too, he and the disciples are hanging out in the temple area, and all of a sudden, Jesus sees a widow go over, and she drops in a couple little mites, all that she has. Spontaneous moment, Jesus, hey, 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 do you see that? See what you just did there? This was not a planned teaching moment. Jesus was not behind the scenes saying, hey, widow, I want you to go up there after I give you the signal and I want you to go put some coins so I can have a teachable moment with my kids. No, 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 no. Jesus, hey, hey, do you see what she just did? Look at them all there, given out of their extra. She put in all that she had. Meatball moment. Jesus would grab a hold of current affairs and teach out of current affairs. Let me read one for you. This is Luke 13, one through five. Just listen, okay? Luke 13, one through five. Uh, there was some present at the very time who told him about Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice, okay? This is news, CNN, Fox, whoever you want to listen to. Jesus answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? He's like, hey, did you hear in the news about what happened? No, I tell you, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. How those 18 of whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they're worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Jesus takes two things from current, current events. He says, hey, do you remember, did you hear about when Pilate slayed those Jews at the temple? Hey, did you hear about that tower that fell down? Jesus took these current affair moments and brought people back to the gospel. He says, hey, we're no better than them. Do you follow Jesus? Are you, have you repented? Do you have walked away? Are you following God? Meatball moment. I'm going to say this. This is going to sound odd, but I believe it's true. I think following Jesus is going to get pretty easy over the next few years. Because like cookies are going to be on the bottom shelf as far as opportunities to be faithful and to stand up for what really matters. Okay? God's going to be like, meatball. Meatball, meatball, softball. Let me serve it up. Charles Spurgeon said, let us expect our children to know the Lord. Let us from the beginning mingle the name of Jesus with their ABCs. Let me, here's some key resources. And parents, just in your notes, grandparents. One of the things that we like to provide through the curriculum that we use is what we call Parent Cues and the Parent Cues app, Okay meaning your kids go home with talkable teaching points to put in your hands. Hey, talk about cookies on the bottom shelf. At mealtime, parents, ask your kids this question. Okay, like it's like it's bottom shelf stuff. Hey, at bath time, ask your kid. Now, if you have teenagers, like no. Like, but like, okay. <laughs> They're in the shower, you just sit down the toilet. So tell me about loud today. What were you guys talking about? Like, dad, no, 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 no. But if you got kids like bath time, you know, you have pre-K, hey, what did you learn in the blasting zone? Tell me about this. Travel time, parent cues. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, on your connection card, tear it out, write down Yaya, and I will put that in Yaya's hand. She will get a hold of you and she will walk you through the parent cues and the app. The app, right on your phone. You click a button, here's your kid. This is what they're learning. It tells you how many weeks until they move out of your house. 
Yeah, I'm like, it tells you, like, if you were to pull up, if I pull up my phone and I hit Lucas, it, it says, you have 286 weeks until he moves out. That's all the time I've left. Okay. Yeah. Like, mom's having a moment. <laughs> but that's it. Which means we need to find a rhythm and be intentional and look for those meatball moments. Because at some point, my kids, your kids, some of your kids have, your grandkids, they're gonna pick up the pen and say, this is the story that I will write. And this is who gets to be involved in it. Okay? So yeah, parent cues, parent apps, resources in your hand. Um, parenting group, if you would like to participate in a discussion that's specifically for parenting, we have a class that's is, is finishing up, but we're thinking about how can we do something long-term maybe in the evenings, write that down in your connection card. Parenting group, I want information about that. Awesome, awesome, we'll follow up. Here's a book, here's a book. Okay, if you're one of those, hey, give me a book called Family Discipleship by a man named Matt Chandler. Family Discipleship. You hear a lot of the things we talked about, much more practical, building life moments and milestones and moments. Okay. Number one resource for your kids and your grandkids. Ready? You ready? It's you. It's designed that way. It's built that way. Your kids drink from the overflow of the cup of your own faith. An uh, old Puritan theologian said this, says, though learning be found in schools, godliness is received from the education of careful parents. What if you've really dropped the ball on this? What if you're like me, you feel it every day, like, man, I have so, I have so screwed up. I have so screwed this one up. Well, let's handle it the way we handle every aspect of our life. Let's repent. Let's turn from doing that and let's start doing this. Okay? Let's make the most of our time. Let's build in a rhythm of intention daily, weekly, monthly. Let's learn to recognize these meatball moments where God's like, here, here. Come to the cross, you put down a stone, you, you, you tell a friend, you tell an accountability partner, you tell a life group leader, you tell a pastor, hey, I'm really screwing this up. And probably, in all honesty, we are just carrying forward the story that we received from our parents. Because it's designed that way. But at some point, a generation has to rise up and say, you know what? No. My parents did their best. My grandparents did their best. Abraham Lincoln, you have to do your own growing, no matter how tall your grandfather was. Then Jackson says, well, why did he say grandfather and not dad? I don't know. That's just what Abraham Lincoln said, Jackson. I don't know. You have to know Jackson. You have to know Jackson. It says this in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Only take care. Keep your soul diligently, lest you forget 
the things that your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and make them known to your children and your children's children. Jesus said there are two ways to build your life. A wise man builds his life on God's instructions, like a house on a strong foundation. For more teaching from this ministry, go to whoishouseontherock.com. If you don't have a church, please consider being our guest on a Sunday morning. Again, visit whoishouseontherock.com for more information.